You're now listening to the Arbitrary Conclusions Podcast, Episode 6. This week on Arbitrary Conclusions, we're answering the questions that Bo Burnham hid for us throughout his career. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome back. Um, we're trying to get into a nice, quiet atmosphere, but my dogs are outside barking their heads off. I might be able to get rid of that, but probably not. So you might hear a little bit of that, but in a few minutes, it should be fine. So what's today's podcast about, Zach? So I know you had a few topics. Um, I really like these podcasts because y- you never know where they're going to go, actually. Like, we have topics to talk about, but... Um, <laughs> for example, our last podcast, it didn't exactly get out of hand, but I know that at least you trailed off a lot, and it was very fascinating to hear what you were talking about. And also, you weren't even there for the... The podcast we released last week, Michael Smith. You should go check out that episode five. It was, it was a lot of fun. I think. I mean, I don't know if you put it in the podcast, but I know I made a few cameos. We. I think we put one of them in there. I was being a super nerd, and it was pretty great. Yeah, because Zach's like on the clock. He's getting his, his. He's he's technically working, but he's just off in the other room watching Naruto while we do the actual <laughs> podcast <laughs> oh oh man um yeah that's pretty great <laughs> I don't want to like flaunt uh, a posh life or anything but I'm I'm still living <laughs> with my parents and that's pretty great yeah <laughs> oh man oh man so I want to get some segments going. I did think it would be pretty funny if we had a news topic, which we aren't going to talk about right now, but we'd have, in the beginning of the episode, we'd talk about whatever's going on in the news for a few minutes, just a few minutes in case there's anything big happening. And then we would discuss um, more of a online meme culture type thing. Um, and it, during the that opening segment, we would have... Um, do like different styles like ASMR or like Screamo or whatever and have like different like people could suggest what to talk about and in what voice um, we don't have that prepared right now but it's always nice bringing up what could be in the future and then um, after that I'm just going to open the floor uh, Zach is there anything you want to talk about before we get into the main meat of this podcast well I mean not anything that I want to really talk about just more of a suggestion for our listeners and then maybe um, viewers, if anything like this is going on the YouTube channel. So any viewers or listeners, give us suggestions. I don't know how anyone on iTunes would do that, but... You can leave a review. Alright, cool. And I think there might be comments. There's definitely comments on our SoundCloud, which is also where this is going up. Alright, well, you know, just give us suggestions. What do you want to hear? Any topics that you'd like to be covered? Um, I know that Thomas has a really interesting way of talking about stuff, which is really cool. But yeah. Um, here in my little notebook that I've been keeping, um, the first couple of pages of here, um, I just really want to talk about for a minute, uh, last, not last year, the summer before last summer, so 2016, the summer of 2016, something happened that kind of changed our lives forever. Um, June 3rd, 2016, Bo Burnham announced that he was going to be retiring. He was going to be quitting, um, at least the, um, for a while, the comedic aspect of his career. (laughs) And, um, I know Zach had never really gotten into Bo Burnham, didn't really know him that well, so I actually ended up showing him all about that whole, that whole part of the internet, basically. And we got into some deep conversations based on the topics that he discussed, but it was interesting doing some research for this, um, how he started off so different, and how you could see from the beginning that he was, he could have planned this from the beginning. (laughs) We are getting into it earlier, and you were actually talking about how you wrote (laughs) a freaking essay on it. Well, um, okay, so I... I'm trying to get into film school 
and one of the ways you get into film school is by writing essays and submitting them like you would to any other college um, but I was writing an essay um, that I'm going to be recording the essay audio and um, and making a YouTube video out of the more the more interesting parts of it um, just for fun uh, um, about the movie Mystery Team starring Donald Glover um, it's, it's just um, I realized while watching it the other day that there are just a very heavy um, colors basically are relevant to the whole thing any scene involving uh, Donald Glover's character Jason there is the color blue his shirt has blue stripes in it and um, his house has blue trim but another thing is yellow like the color yellow represents the, all the bad guys when they go into the drug dealer's house there's um there's he has yellow furniture but Donald Glover's shirt is also yellow it's yellow with blue stripes so it made me think that like oh symbolically he is acting as sort of the bad guy because he him trying to force this on his friends is um, tearing apart the relationship so I started writing this essay because I needed to write an essay for this this um, film school and I wanted to take a break and I wanted to analyze the lyrics of a Bo Burnham song because I had always wanted to do that anyways and I didn't want to get out of the um, essay mindset so I wrote an essay on this whole topic and uh, yeah so I have my notes here and um, I'm, we're just going to discuss some of the more interesting aspects of this essay that I wrote. If any of you guys listening to this are in school I am severely sorry because it doesn't matter who you are even if you like school school sucks yeah so <laughs> the one thing that's uh, what i found very interesting is um in 2008 is when bo Burnham released his first album or ep um and in 2009 less than a year, full year later most of the songs that were on the ep were on his first album as well but he was also already starting to criticize this platform that he had used with his song Welcome to YouTube. Um, and so I started thinking that it's possible that this whole thing was like a six year long plan where he um, planned to do this from like 2010. He had already started um, earlier in his earlier years to criticize this platform that he had been using. So we're going to talk about my thoughts as well as um how zach feels about this um i wrote all this at like four o'clock in the morning that's the uh, best time to write stuff well i was um in the middle of an essay and i really wanted to get it done so this is what i did to get my mind off of things it's pretty interesting um i didn't realize a lot of the stuff that he had been doing um in the way that he'd been doing it so we're going to discuss all that before we get into all that, I just want to ask Zach if he had any comments, anything he heard from other people about the podcast, anything like that, or anything about the YouTube channel as well that he had been hearing, because I have a few uh, sort of in-person reviews that I heard. Honestly, um, I haven't been hearing much other than, you have a podcast? Or, um, I know about your guys' podcast, and it's pretty cool that you're doing that. So, um... As far as reviews, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we are pretty small right now. But, hopefully. I've only had a few people come up to me, and I don't think we've gotten any reviews online, but a couple people come up to me in person, and they basically said the same stuff. It's like, every once in a while, they'd say something like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And they would just kind of, like, give, like, a thumbs up in, like, text or something. If I sent um, episode four out when it came out because I was really excited and I got a few thumbs up texts from people and they definitely didn't watch it because <laughs> you know when you ask someone to watch something and they just instantly send back a message you know that they didn't watch it especially if it's an hour long <laughs> oh man um that's great so this this whole thing started oh um well over a year ago actually this whole idea for this essay um Zach and I were talking about the song that he entitled Can't Handle This, otherwise known as Kanye Rant, and what we thought the <laughs> lyrics meant. 
and I found out just by thinking about it a bit, um, I want to first of all say anything that I say, um, if it's really similar to something that someone else said, I'm sorry. Um, I, did, I didn't do much research into what other people thought. I just kind of listened to all of his music and analyzed the lyrics. Um, but I, I'm sure that other people have thought of this before me, especially because um, this song was so much different than the other stuff he'd been doing. At the time, it would make sense that a lot of people have thought about it more deeply than I have. But um, we talked about how the whole song could be a metaphor. And then um, uh, every single verse is like the the length of the verse is about like how much he feels we really need to hear about it and then um, the reason why the um, going to the gym catch 22 verse was so short was because that was like just him trying to punch home the fact of the metaphor from before that I mean I really think that um, even that little small blip you know, it's very it's a very short line. It's like one mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Um, even something short like that, Bo Burnham really just it catches your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like almost everything he says is so deep, but yet being so short. And what I figured, um, we'll get into what I think all the metaphors mean. Uh, I have a whole page on that in a minute, but first I want to just talk about um, how he started and how he got to where he did in terms of his more deeper, more existential uh, pieces. Um, In 2008, like I said, all of his songs, every single one of his songs was actually about sex in some way. Um, From his family thinking he's gay to him making a song about not being invited to a party and him imagining getting laid because he didn't actually get to go to the party and what it could have been like if he was at the party. Yeah, you know... um sex the the best topic to write songs on i think it it really was for him because it really um push started jump started his career if he would have started out with these existential songs he would have never made it it really thrusted him into the industry yeah which is why i think that 2009 um making those songs about love right off the bat he made songs that were basically pop songs almost trying to catch your eye trying to get stuck in your head so that way he could rise to fame so he could spread his message and then, of course, he had a, one song that was just funny about, like, drug addiction with Rehab Center for Fictional Characters, where it was funny the whole time, but it really did tackle some serious topics, like um, ruining your lives with alcohol and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Then, of course, came Welcome to YouTube, the most sarcastic song I think I've ever heard. He, he sings about... YouTube like it's the best thing ever but all the stuff he's saying is reasons why people criticize the platform like he talks about even just the line Charlie the Unicorn bit my finger it's kind of a little inside joke for people who like YouTube videos back in the day that oh I remember Charlie the Unicorn I remember Charlie bit my finger but <laughs> those two vid- those two things were one of the main points against YouTube when it started out people said it's videos of babies and it's videos of crude humor. It's like, um, Charlie the Unicorn was funny, but looking back at it now, I'm sure I'd think that it was very immature and very stupid. But and then Charlie Bit My Finger was just babies being cute. And that's why the platform succeeded so much, is that it was, people were making fun of it, and then he took that spirit of people making fun of the platform and said, yeah, good, the more you talk about us, the more we're going to rise into fame. I, I really think that's what YouTube, it's what it started as, you know, a place for, you know, like, little cute videos or, like, really crude humor, and it was, it was very divided that way, but that's, what, like, what it was at the beginning. And then, then it started to push that. You know, you started taking videos that seemed to be cute and then shove the humor underneath for the kids to not notice. A perfect example, the, you know, Smosh. Yeah bright and colorful but every other word out of their mouth was bitch like it was and then they also got really famous all these people they started on youtube and then they went on to do bigger things and that's why um, i think he was making fun of it because he didn't 
stay on YouTube. If you look at his YouTube channel, it was very sporadic. The first couple of of videos he made up until he actually made his album, his 2009 album, was just full of um, videos, and then all of a sudden it was like nothing. Every once in a while he'd post a video there because that wasn't the career. The YouTube was the platform to step onto the career. And then the next year he came out with Words, 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 which is still one of the best comedy specials I've ever heard in my life. Um, he talks about the music industry with oboe and and stuff like that. He also talks about um, words themselves, how much power they have. Um, when he talks about racial humor, talks about um, his ex-girlfriend, and talks about uh, if Shakespeare had written a poem. Like, all of these are all, if you look past them, are about the power of words and how they can change your perception of how the world works. You know, it, the right words in the right order can be magical. The adult topics are unending in this podcast. Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually really thought about learning the oboe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just from hearing that song? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and then, then out of nowhere, Bo hit us in, in, in the middle of this special about words and how powerful they are he was kind of programming our minds to be ready for a song that was going to change our views because he was talking about how words can change how you see the world and then boom he hits us with art is dead um still one of probably my top five um easily top 10 best songs of all time in my personal opinion especially from Bo and especially from comedic performers because it's not it's funny but it's so serious and it tackles this this how he actually feels about what he's starting to become and how he is kind of just doing things because he's being told to do them and for money and not because he wants to make art anymore yeah you're not talking at all you're just kind of playing with change with it yeah um money's a funny thing yeah, you know it comes as cotton and paper mixed together, and as coins. <laughs> what are your thoughts on "Art Is Dead"? I really like the song. First of all, um, even to the point where I learned it. One of the first, I think that's the first song I ever learned to play on the piano. Was "Art Is Dead"? But yeah, it's a really good song. Um, I really think it highlights the things that are wrong with the performance in the music industry but it also um it's a very comedic song and it's not even just about the music industry like a lot of it is but it also talks about just in general entertainment art has gotten so corrupted by money and by people wanting to take everything they could get yeah, um, I think, and in the way that society's going right now, it really kind of crushes, like, any sort of new, um, kind of art, or new kind of artist, because it's always just what the person with the most money wants to see. And that bled right into his next show, which, believe it or not, was actually three years later in 2013 um now at this point around 2010 is when i got introduced to bo burnham my father accidentally put on one of his shows thinking it was going to be just a comedy show and it i couldn't go back from that i grew up um replaying over and over again every song he ever made and whenever i felt sad or alone bo burnham was there to make me laugh and to make me think about these serious topics and that bled right into 2013. He had a song on his album called Channel 5 News, all about how the news had been corrupt with putting out stuff that people want to hear and not the stuff they need to hear. And that was out of nowhere, because he never really discussed the news or media like that before. And it wasn't even on his live show. You had to buy the album to hear it. And alongside it was Nerds, a song about bullying, 
uh, depression. And at one point, there's even uh, a bit where he talks about a girl uh, cutting herself. And it's thrown in the middle, and it's it's not supposed to be funny. It's supposed to show you that he was there at one point in his life, and he wants kids to listen to him. He wants kids to see him as a role model to not live up to what he's become, but to listen to his words and to hear that it's going to be okay. You know, um, when your father accidentally, mind you, when your terrible father accidentally raises you the right way. Yeah. <laughs> and the, here's the thing, here's the thing. Oh, man. Uh, nerds, I think, really, when I started going into it, the lyrics, nerds isn't just about, you know, getting bullied. I think it's about him trying to make sure people listen to what he put out next, which, of course, um, got way deeper. But nerds was really saying, listen to what I have to say, because it's about to be really important. All the stuff I said in the past isn't important yet. But what I'm about to say is going to be really important. And that was at the end of his album, were those songs. Um, in the beginning of his album, though, during the live show, he did do some deeper songs. Songs about religion with um, From God's Perspective. Um, and songs about his own mental anguish with Left Brain, Right Brain. About how he tries to do comedy so he can, um, he can try to make himself happy. And that is really all what that's kind of I think how we got the title for the next show in 2016 make happy he's trying to make himself and the audience happy um and then he delves in he kind of does a transitional song as I would put it with repeat stuff um a song that's saying get ready I'm about to make fun of the music industry which is all make happy was about every single song is making fun of a different type of music and a different type of art What are your thoughts on uh, the show What that he did? I think I've only actually ever seen that once. And that was the time that um, we sat down one night and we actually watched Make Happy. And then you were like, hey, he also has this special. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, yeah, Bo Burnham's cool. So let's watch it. And, um, Make Happy was, in my opinion, probably the best special yeah. out of the two I think he has. He has four specials. Only two of them are still available, though. Yeah, I just, I'm a, I'm a normie. I only have Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what was really interesting to me, is he took words, words, words off of Netflix when he put out what, which is also weird because he paid for what out of pocket. He didn't um, go on tour and raise money for it. He paid to have it filmed and he paid to have it put on Netflix and he also put it out for free on his YouTube page. It's still there. If you want to go check out who we're talking about and you don't know Bo Burnham, go to his YouTube chain uh, channel, search Bo Burnham and the whole series what right there. Oh, and that's um, B.O. Burnham. Yes. B U R H A M with an N in the middle. Someone. Burn him. <laughs> um no, but anyways, so what? It was a it was a good show. I really liked it. I really liked how he started it. I really like everything about it really. Like it was just a genius work of art. And right from the beginning of what? Do you remember what the first song was? don't the first song in what was sad yeah, yeah a song where he asks the question why do we laugh at others pain which is such a deep question to just kind of sneak at the end of a song um and it, it his opening songs usually kind of set the mood for what the whole show is going to be about um the first song in make happy is the song hell yeah where he's like, "Welcome to the show. We're gonna we're gonna make fun of some people tonight." You know? <laughs> yeah. And then after that, um, in what he just kind of.
goes on to talk about religion. Like I said, um, he he talks about uh, how he feels internally and his struggle with trying to be happy. And then he he even hints that we don't understand anything about who he really is with the song "You Um We Think We Know You." It's kind of crazy how little you know about people. Um, yeah, he really like even just throwing in "We Think We Know You," which isn't even really a song. I mean, it's a song, but it's more of a performance piece. When he's you, if you don't watch him do it on stage, you won't understand how like why this is important or why what he's doing makes sense like why are they repeating this guy saying fag over and over again it's cause like that's what he hears that's like he's he goes from turning left trying to get away from people and having them talk to him all the time to physically pointing and saying I'm going to allow you to speak for just a second and then he takes those pains and those criticisms and everyone makes fun of him and he turns it into art and he's just saying, you don't know who I am, and you never will. And I think that's, that's really good. That's really amazing. Um, especially for like the last song in the live show. It didn't really leave audiences with a... Th- it left them with a sense of closure, and they wanted more. But it didn't leave them feeling that they were missing anything in their lives. Like, you didn't think... He didn't take us somewhere. He didn't take us on a journey. And that's really when... Um, why Hell of a Ride is such a good song because that's at the end of his album it's another one of those that you can only listen to if you buy the album um, unless you have Spotify or Apple Music because now, now it's everything's different now but he says basically you thought we were going to heaven but guess what I lied that's basically the whole idea of the chorus and he's saying you know I made you think that I was this person that I'm not and now it's time for me to show you who I really am. And then that was right before he released Make Happy. Which is by far, in my opinion, the best special he could have ever made. Um, I'm trying to get go back over here. Um, every song in Make Happy is making fun of the music industry, except for the last two. Um, and really the last one is making fun of Kanye West as well so kind of making fun of everyone but the main message of the songs um, from the song called Kill Yourself about how you shouldn't um, take advice from people who you don't know like you shouldn't listen to music and it'll make you all happy you should go out and change what needs to be changed to um to the song called a country song that's all about how you shouldn't let people uh, pander to you and lie to you about who they really are and that's it's it's such a every song if you look for the deeper message is such a good message to tell people about the music they may be listening to like yeah you can enjoy country music but don't let them trick you into thinking that there's someone they're not don't let people trick you into thinking that there's someone they're not and then the last two songs I think are easily Zach's favorite songs oh for sure in the history do you want to talk a little bit about um, the song Can't Handle This well first of all um, Bo Burnham how dare you for making fun of Jesus Christ himself Um, (laughs) no um, not really Um, it's it's a really good song like I said like almost everything he does is like really comedic but it's also like very deep and it's almost there's like four levels to listen to Bo Burnham the first level is when you don't understand him at all and you're like oh this is funny um, but you think this isn't that funny and I wouldn't get into this the second level is when you start getting into it and you realize just how funny it really is and how deep it really is the third level is understanding that he is way more complex than you would ever hope to imagine and the fourth level is where I reached last night at 4 o'clock in the morning deep digging through all his lyrics where you realize that he is a severely disturbed person who is trying to make his his feelings into art. It's a conspiracy, man. <laughs> um, nah, but like I said, it was. It's a very good song. I I had it 
on a playlist a while back and I just kept playing it over and over again because it really resonated with me. You know, it's a song that's very comedic, but it also touches on deep issues. And it just, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of BSing this right now. I haven't listened to it in a while. But. Well, I do have the lyrics right here. But anyways, um, <laughs> remember talking about like a taco or something? Or a burrito? Um, yeah, it was a burrito. Chipotle. So it, it starts out with him saying, can I say what I have to say, basically? Will you allow me to say what I have to say? And I think that this is sort of a coded message almost, where he's not saying, like, oh, let me, let me sing about burritos and Pringles. He's saying, are you going to understand if I tell you? Are you actually going to understand what I'm saying? And I think that I did find out what he was trying to say. Um, the first thing he says is, I can't fit my hand inside of a Pringle can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, very relatable. And that's the first level where you think, oh, neither can I. That's so funny. He says, um, um, if, you, if you can hear me, put your hands up. And then he says, look at all these hands. I can't fit inside of Pringle cans. And everyone laughs. But what he's really saying is, at least in my opinion, what I think he's saying is he's trying to reach out to his fans, right? The Pringle can is his fan base. And at the beginning of opening up the Pringles, he doesn't have very many fans, so he can reach in easily and talk to everyone personally. He can go out to meet and greets and speak to everyone, you know, for an extended period of time and get to know their story. As he gets further, more and more fame, almost instantly, he can't do that anymore. But he's going to try something different. He's going to tilt the can into his mouth, right? But then he says they all go spilling on his face. Everything backfires. He tries to do the things he used to be able to do. He tries to reach out to his fans, and then he can't because there's too many of them. And it it just doesn't work out. People end up feeling neglected, and people end up not getting what they wanted out of the experience. Yeah, um, I think that metaphor in itself is really deep because what I, what I got out of that is, you know, at the beginning you're reaching and it's, you know, it's, it's steady. It's a lot. You're, Mm -hmm. you're going good. And then the less, the less chips are in there, the further you have to reach. And it's like almost saying the more you try and reach out, the more fame you get, the more you try and reach out, the less you're going to receive. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's again like these are just um, things I wrote like I wrote this whole essay in under an hour this was just like base level understanding of things just when you really start reading into these lyrics they're a lot more profound than we originally thought um, the next thing he says is he basically kind of says it's Pringle's fault the Pringle can is too small he's trying to say it's not my fault it's the fault of the me. It's the fault of this industry where I can't reach out. And then he says, Pringles changed something because he's just trying to put the blame on everyone except for himself because he doesn't feel it's his fault that he can't reach out. He feels like he should be able to reach out, but there's just too many people. Then he says, okay, I've overdone it. And the next thing he says is, I want to have a daughter. That way I'll have someone around the house who can finally fit their hand into a Pringle can. And the reason why is because base level again, you're just laughing. It's so funny. You know? Oh, you thought he was on a different thing, but now he's on a real thing. So then he goes from being on the Pringles to a daughter, but then it turns out that it's actually just still the Pringle can thing again because even when he tries to think about other stuff, he ends up trying different he keeps hoping there was like this thing that could let him reach out if he only had a daughter who could fit her hand into it for him there was only this way that he could reach out and he has to just move on i also think that's saying something else in that when you're in deep into the industry you know it's almost like you can't think about anything else and you become overwhelmed and that's your entire life and then when he, when he says, I'll move on, he also says, 
but that is priority numero uno. He says, I'll move on, but I don't want you to forget that I tried. Like, I'm giving up on reaching out to you, but I don't want you to think that I didn't try. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what the, what the next thing he says is? What is the next thing he says? He says, I don't go to the gym because I'm self-conscious about my body, but I'm self-conscious about my body because I don't go to the gym. Irony can be so painful. That's a catch-22. Let's do this. I'm pretty sure the lyric is actually, that's a catch-22. Yeah, he, he, he brings it out. But I think the catch-22, like the thing by itself, like the gym and everything, isn't a specific metaphor, but the fact that it is a catch-22 is him saying he wants to be happy. And what makes him happy is making other people happy. So he has to perform to make people happy. But performing is draining him in such a way that he can't be happy while he's performing. So, side note question right now. You like my man spread? Yeah, yeah. And also, you know what else is a catch-22? What? An attractive girl who man spreads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, you understand where I'm getting with that. I don't think it's um, a specific metaphor. It's just the fact that it's a catch-22 to reference what he's been going through. Yeah, yeah. And then he talks about food again. And that's, I think, everyone's favorite part of this whole song. Yeah, earlier I was just talking about tacos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not the kind of taco you're thinking. He says, I got myself a chicken burrito. And then what does he say, Zach? <laughs> Probably my favorite thing ever to just exclaim. This whole thing is auto-tuned as well. My favorite thing to exclaim is, And... The whole audience laughs. Oh, right? man. It was great. But then he says he went down the line, got all these ingredients, and at the end of the line, the guy tries to wrap the burrito, and half the stuff in the burrito spills out, and he gets angry because he wanted all this stuff. I think this is a metaphor for what he did in his early days of his career. Uh, Bo Burnham, if you don't know, he had a TV show. He was in a movie. A few of them, I think. He... Um, was doing guest appearances on other web shows while still making music and and trying to be a comedian all at the same time. So all the ingredients in his burrito are basically all of the aspects of his career that he tried to shove into the same timeline. And then he gets angry. He says, you should have warned me. Someone should have told me that I couldn't do all these things. Um... But as someone who has worked at a subway can tell you, you do get warned usually. You say like, ooh, get me all this stuff, and then someone says, oh, this isn't going to fold very easily, and they will still ask for more. Then at the end, they'll get upset saying, you should have warned me. So people probably have told him, hey, you're doing too much. But no one told him, this isn't going to fold. This is going to spill out. This is going to backfire. He said he wishes someone would have told him, and then he goes and sings. He wouldn't have got the lettuce, cheese, peppers if he knew they wouldn't fit. He wouldn't have gotten half of the stuff that he got in that burrito. And he says, if you got no more chicken, I'll take pork, which I think to mean he's okay with changing his career if he has to. If he can't be a musician, he's fine being a comic, or if he can't uh, do this thing he wants to do he's fine doing something else in his career but he d- but he says he doesn't want to have to pick up the pieces of his career you know yeah yeah I think he's also kind of like carrying on the um the uh, Pringles metaphor exactly I, I honestly think I'm just now realizing um Bo Burnham does a lot of food metaphors <laughs> well that's the most relatable kind of, if, when you say I went to Chipotle all the white girls ears perk up yeah we're, we're humans we we like food good job yeah <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes from all these funny jokes to saying the truth is the biggest problem in my life is you i want to please you but i want to stay true to myself and i want to give you the night you deserve but i want to say what i think that's kind of a callback to this catch 22 he wants to just make you laugh and be funny but he needs to say the things that are true. He needs oh my to God. say the things that are Thomas deep. 
It's a callback to the woman's manspread. So, after this, he starts kind of going crazy for a split second. He says, part of me loves you, part of me hates you, part of me needs you, but part of me fears you. I don't think I can handle this. And then he kind of goes crazy. He, start, he starts screaming in the middle of the chorus. He's, I don't think that I can handle this right. <gasps> like, throughout the chorus, he starts screaming in pain. Yeah, yeah. And we thought, oh, it's funny, he's being loud. But this is really, this is already really deep. And um, then Zach's favorite line, look at them, they're just staring at me. Come and watch the skinny kid with a steadily declining mental health and laugh as he attempts to give you what he cannot give himself. Yeah, it, it really, it hits you hard. Like, honestly, that's like the realizing line. It's he, like, He's what? trying to make you happy because he knows he can't make himself happy. What can't you give yourself, Bo? And so... And then he answers that question at the end. He really does. Um, at the end of the show, he, he says... I'm not a doctor. I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be telling you what's wrong. I'm supposed to make you laugh. So I'm just gonna shut up and do my job. And then, he, then he goes back into the when I got the lettuce, when I got the cheese, when I got the peppers. Then he says, "You can tell them anything if you just make it funny and make it rhyme." I think that line is just a clue that we're supposed to be analyzing these lyrics more carefully. Yeah. You can tell them anything if you make it rhyme and make it funny. He's saying the parts of his shows, every part of his show, possibly every part of every show he's ever done, is a metaphor for something more important, something deeper, you know? Yeah, I also think that that line is saying, like, hey, that that music you're listening to, you know, that gangster rap song, actually listen to the lyrics sometime. Anything. Anything that you're, that you're doing in your life, look at it in a deeper way. Oh, it's super itchy. And then... Shouldn't have put on socks. Right at the end of the song, he says, Thank you, good night, I hope you're happy. And he throws the microphone down. He doesn't drop it. He just lets go and just... He doesn't, like, hold it out and drop it. He just kind of flings it down like he's done. He doesn't need to tell you anything else. He says, I hope you're happy. Which is kind of the thing you usually say when someone has done something to hurt you. So he's not only saying, I hope you enjoyed the show, but also trying to let us know that, that we've been hurting him this whole time as fans. I mean, I think it's also saying, like, I hope you're happy. I've done all of this for you. Like, I, like I've been trying to make you happy. I hope it worked because I'm done trying. Yeah. And, you know, as we all know, it, it was his, his send-off show. Yeah, which he we didn't expect it until someone said, Bo, what is Are You Happy About? And he said, oh, it's about me never coming back. It's about me leaving. Maybe I'll do comedy in the future, but I'm never going to do this the same way again. And he just released a film, a short film. that um, I think it went on Sundance. Um, but he did release a movie. Like He's still doing stuff. He's just not doing the same stuff he used to. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I really think Bo Burnham, I mean, he may not have, but I mean, at least I think so. He did it the best, in my opinion. He really perfected and gave birth to like that new form of comedy where it's like you do skits, you do you know, music, and you mix it in with comedy. And no one even noticed. Like, people got big because they were doing that. They weren't drawing inspiration for Bo Burnham but the reason why they got big was because Bo Burnham set this precedent in people's minds in the back of your mind you want something that makes you think just a little bit more in just a little bit of a different way and once your mind's been open to the world of the way he sees things you will never be able to laugh at the same kinds of joke again I've gone back and watched movies that I thought were hilarious less than a year ago and then after doing this research I'm like this is just there's no deeper meaning to this. This isn't funny. Yeah. Now, the saddest song that honestly makes me cry sometimes, just thinking about these lyrics. Not ball my eyes out cry, but definitely starting to tear up just at the thought of these lyrics, is the final show, so the show-stopping song, Are You Happy? 
Which, by the way, he didn't even release an album for for Make Happy at all. Yeah. All of his other shows, he's released an album of at least a live recording of that show. He has not, he still, it's been almost two full years, he has not released an album for this show. I think it's almost the fact, like, it's either you get the full message or you don't. Yeah. He doesn't want people to listen to his show and not have to hear him get deep. Yeah, yeah. In the past, you can skip over those songs, but not now. Now, I'm going to read the entirety of these lyrics. And then I want Zach to sit and talk for a bit about... Because I know he has definitely looked at these lyrics more than me. <laughs> he's played the song for numerous people who don't even know who Bo Burnham is. They just love hearing the song. Like, I'm going to read these lyrics, and then I want Zach to discuss his thoughts on them as I read them. So the first lyric... Now the show is done. I hope that you had gut trembling or something resembling fun. So even right there, um, he's really just saying like, you know, thank you for being here. I did a lot for you. And now I'm done. Yeah, the show isn't make happy. The show is his entire career. Yeah. At least as a comedian. And if you watch this thing alone, you probably didn't laugh. But maybe a few times you exhaled out of your nose. Again, it's one of those relatable moments. And it's just, you know, Bo being a little bit funny, but still being deep. He's like, you know, whenever you're laughing or watching something at home, you don't actually burst out laughing. You know, whenever you text LOL, it's not like, ha 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 ha. It's more like, <laughs> And also he said, you probably didn't laugh. He was assuming, he was saying this isn't supposed to be funny. Yeah, he even almost i think it's kind of him belittling himself mm -hmm. like he doesn't think he's funny yeah. even though he like he really he is. honestly he's a genius yeah bo burnham is a genius in every way i could sit here and talk for hours analyzing the lyrics of even his earliest work oh i know you could thomas yeah <laughs> i have we've had conversations where we've gone for miles mile long walks where we've talked the whole time about these lyrics yeah it's pretty great but, you know, no, none of that gay stuff, though. No. He said, if you hated it, that's fair. But either way, could you find a little more time for a parting questionnaire? That, um, I mean, there's not, there's not really much to analyze there. He's pretty straightforward there. Mm -hmm. He's saying, again, he's saying he doesn't think he's funny. He doesn't think that this was his best show. Um, he's saying, if you hated it, that's fair. Not all people get this. But... He really wants people to listen to this last song because it's the most important one, in his opinion. Yeah. On a scale from one to zero, are you happy? Again, um, he's pretty pretty blunt there. You know, he's Multiple asking... meanings of that question, too. There's obviously the um, one to zero giving you two options. There's not... It's not one to ten. It's not like a numerical... It's either yes or no. Are you happy? But also, he didn't say on a scale from zero to one. He said from one to zero. And honestly, there, it's like, it really makes you think, like, are you really satisfied? And if you are, is it worth it if you're only a little bit satisfied? Mm -hmm. And you'll never be fully happy without pretty much answering the rest of these questions. Because you're, you're on your own from here, so are you happy? Yeah, um, <laughs> Bo Burnham's audience, it really has a wide range. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, um, your dad turned it on and you were like eight years old. Well, it was 2010, Zach. I was 11. Okay, whatever. You were really young. Way too young to be listening to Bo Burnham's lyrics. <laughs> but yeah, you were really young. And I think he's a genius in that no matter what age you are, you can listen to anything that he's written and get something out of it. And this lyric, it's it, it really makes you think, just like everything else. Mm -hmm. I like, This line here is the line that makes me cry almost the most. Because, like I said, I kind of grew up, not fully, but for the second half of my childhood, I grew up on Bo Burns' music. 
um, being 11 until he quit when I was 17. Um, for six years, I, I watched him grow as a comedian. I watched myself grow as I could reanalyze lyrics in different ways. And I think that he knew that there were people like me out there, people who were growing up hearing his life lessons and he's saying you gotta make it on your own from here on out it could also be a metaphor for growing up leaving your parents and having to figure out the world by yourself he might also be kind of like cluing us into like what kind of childhood he had because um this song is very emotional and that lyric specifically it kind of like talks about like oh like i had all of this and now i'm I don't. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm open to suggestions. Are you happy? That kind of, it's like, you know, the people who are growing up and kind of just getting into the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've done all of this stuff and people have been telling me, giving me suggestions. Like, what do I do now? It's kind of an immediate follow-up to this previous line is showing you that I am just like you. I'm still new to this. And so he's talking in the previous line to the younger audience and then to the older audience in the next line. He's saying, listen, you don't realize this, but I'm actually newer to this than you are. He's saying, I need help. And anything you say, I, I, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to change my entire way of living. Because from the beginning, since he was a child, he was famous. Yeah. He got famous when he was 16 years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny because, like, he made all these jokes about him, like, actually being, like, maybe even younger than his audience. Mm -hmm. And even in, I think it was in his set, Make Happy, that he said, he made a joke, like, he just turned 25. You know, he was, like, telling them about love. Yeah. And he wasn't even 25, I don't think, when he wrote that. I'm pretty sure he wrote... Um, that song all about love and about how he doesn't even know what he's doing he doesn't believe in what he's saying I'm pretty sure he wrote that like three years prior yeah it's like I'm funny and like don't listen to me because I'm younger than you mm -hmm. he then says but what the fuck kind of question is am I happy yeah um, I mean even there it's like kind of cluing you into like what kind of like mindset he's in what kind of life he had mm -hmm. you know it's like what kind of question is that the answer is obvious and also we have so much that people in other countries don't like even like that like there's so many layers to this like slightly you can even think why am i questioning if i'm happy i should be happy i have everything i should want yeah why am i questioning this yeah, it even goes as deep as, like, on a national scale, you know. As Americans, I'm pretty sure we have, like, the highest suicide rate. Mm -hmm. wow. And, and like, we're, like, the richest nation. Well, we actually are in a lot of debt. But in terms of, like, the population and, like, the people in America. Yeah, we have a lot of wealth. Yeah. It's like, why, why are we not satisfied with our lives? Then this part is interesting because during these next few lines, the music gets really upbeat and like almost like he's doing a little dance to a kid's show. He says, I really want to try to get happy, and I think that I could get it if I didn't always panic every time I'm unhappy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost like we try so hard to get what we want and then when and if we get it we might not be happy it's another catch-22 as well yeah um he's focused so much on being happy that the only thing that could make him happy is if he could stop focusing on it yeah he says i'm owed some life where i'm always like happy think that like is important because it kind of says that he was trying to think of another word but has going back to the word happy yeah um it's almost like i mean i don't want to say it's selfish mm -hmm. 
but it is kind of selfish. And you could definitely look at this, this line a, a lot of different ways. But the first immediate way is like, I'm owed life that's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've done so much and I, I should get happiness. Yeah. And then he instantly goes back and says, which is stupid because I wouldn't even want it if I got it. Which is again, if he got everything he's ever wanted, it wouldn't be enough because he still isn't who he wants to be and like he'll never be satisfied with what others give him and that's why he says oh god my dad was right i almost think that the first half at least of that line kind of uh dives into american idealism and the fact that a lot of americans have what they want they have what they need and more than that and yet they're not satisfied mm -hmm. like even like growing up like he his audience is mainly young men ages of like 16 to 24 and he's saying all of you are unhappy but you should really think about why not all of you are unhappy but some and then the oh god my dad was right kind of peaks again into his childhood he could be saying that his father maybe was tough on him and said you shouldn't become famous because you'll never be satisfied it's never going to make you happy it's possible that his father told him not to pursue his career or maybe his father was just a terrible person and just said Bo you're never going to be happy so just stop trying I wouldn't say terrible person maybe very pessimistic person he's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible person's crushing Bo's dreams but that's the thing is that he goes straight into it and says so if you know or ever knew how to be happy on a scale from one to two now are you happy and that's kind of like throwing that like maybe in there that's after the analysis he realizes that he should be happy at least a little bit so it's no longer from zero from one to zero now it's from one to two so it's on a scale from one to two, on a scale from I'm happy, but I'm not happy to I'm happy. How happy are you? Yeah. And I don't even know which one is which at this point from his perspective. Is it better to be unhappy and strive for better or is it worse to never be able to be satisfied? Should you settle? And then he says, you're everything you hated are you happy which is kind of saying hey you thought we, i was singing to you but i'm actually singing to myself this whole time yeah um i think that's almost saying like maybe quite literally is saying that he's become something that he didn't want to become yeah and then you go back to these previous lyrics of um you probably didn't laugh but maybe a few times you exhaled out of your nose when he watches back his own stuff, he doesn't think it's funny because he knows the pain that caused those lines. When he says, you're on your own from here, he's saying, your fans won't be there to support you anymore because you're abandoning them. And then he says, hey, look, Ma, I made it. Are you happy? Which I think, this whole song is saying, are you happy? Again, the thing that you say when someone does something to mess something up for you or to hurt you say are you happy with what you did and he it's possible that his mother pushed him to be famous and his mother his parents disagreed maybe his mother wanted him to be big and successful whether it's so she could have money or so she could be proud of what he's done but he's saying at least i feel he's saying that he felt like his parents were never truly proud of him he felt like his parents were just wanting him to do what they wanted him to do for whatever their own reasons so he said hey look mom i've become everything that i ever hated are you happy with the money that i made with the house that i that i bought um are you satisfied with what i've become because i'm not yeah um 
almost asking like is the money worth it very basic but a very uh, talked about, thought about topic. You know, if you get rich, if you are like the one in a million chance, if you get rich, is that going to be worth it? Can you buy happiness? And then we think back to how it all started. And it's kind of a sad story almost. The reason why Bo Burnham started making YouTube videos was not because he wanted to change the world. It was not because he wanted to have people listen to him. It's because his brother was overseas in the military. And he wanted to talk to his brother, but he couldn't. Like, your time is so... You're so uh, constrained. Uh, you might have a few minutes to call, but you don't want to be like... Hey, mom and dad, don't talk to your son because I want to talk to him. So instead, he would make videos and make these little songs because his brother can be on the internet and watch these songs, take two minutes out of his day and um, listen to this funny little joke that his brother made. And the first song he released was My Whole Family Thinks I'm Gay. <laughs> and it was he was being like, um, it was it was just chock full of jokes about um, I promise you I'm not gay and he did this before he was even a thing this was the first thing he put out imagine if if someone were to put this out um, after getting famous you'd think that the whole family was a metaphor for his fan base or for the haters you know but this was just a thing that he did and so I think that he might have even been looking at himself through the lyrics of Are You Happy and thinking um, his brother, would his brother still be proud of what he's doing? And that's all I have on that topic. It was a majority of this podcast, but I think these are questions that we you know, we should be asking. Yeah, so listener, whether it's the morning, you're just waking up, you want to listen to a morning podcast for some reason, if it's the afternoon, if you're going to bed, if you're just listening to this with a friend for some reason, because you're crazy and like listening to podcasts without videos, good for you. But you got to ask yourself a question. Are you happy? Are you going to be happy? Are you satisfied with your life? And then there's a follow-up that I realized that I think he did on purpose. He, there's a follow-up question, no matter what the answer to are you happy is that I think he purposefully left out of that song. So no matter what, if I said, hey, Zach, are you happy? What would you say? Like In general, in life, are you happy? Honestly, I quite literally think that majority of people's answer is going to be no. It, in the grand scheme of things in your whole life in what you're doing with your life and what you're doing to get to where you want to be are you happy yes or no I have to say no so then the follow up that he left out of that would be what are you going to do about it are you happy what are you going to do about it 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 begs to be answered and then it leaves this little bit of a question that he didn't even do he didn't even ask but you know it's what he was going towards when someone says are you happy and you say no they're not going to be like well that sucks and then leave are you happy what are you going to do about it because that question doesn't leave are you going to do something about it you're going to do something about it it's only a matter of what not when, you're going to do something about it right now. If you're not happy, you're going to change that. Because you deserve... You you are owed a life where you're always happy. And like he said, that may be stupid. But you should still go out and try to get that. Because you'd be surprised what you're not accomplishing just because you're not happy. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty crazy. Like, even right now, um, 
I'm not happy. I want to be a musician, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I'm being pretty lazy about it. And that's, that's why I'm unhappy. You know, like I could be doing all these things. I even have the money to go out and buy the equipment that I need, but I haven't done that. So why don't you and I go right now? We'll stop the podcast. We'll close it off with our closing statements. And then you and I go and we do something about that. We don't have to go and spend a bunch of money, but we go and we do something about it. I know that I personally am not happy because I have been really short on money. Ever since I left my parents' house, I've had just enough money to get by. I haven't had any shortages. But if, for whatever reason, I didn't get enough on my next paycheck, I would be screwed. Yeah. And I was looking through my this whole process of, are you happy? What are you going to do about it? A few weeks ago. And I decided that I was going to change this. Because even if you're, because you're not happy about money problems, fix it. If you're still not happy, then maybe there was something that was causing those money problems that made you unhappy. Why was I spending all my money? Maybe because of some other reason. So I'm going to save all my money if I can and see what it was that was making me spend all my money. So what I did was I took my entire paycheck and I put it into my savings account where I cannot access it. And then I took out the money for rent and I paid rent. And I have not spent a single dollar of that paycheck since. And it's almost time for my next paycheck. I still have a few hundred dollars that I saved without spending, without needing to spend. Because when I bought food, I still had like a few 25 bucks in my check in my checkings account. Yeah. And instead of going out and buying fast food and junk food and all this, I bought raw ingredients that I can make into several different types of meals. I got eggs, I got uh, meat, and I got cheeses, I got uh, peppers and onions and all this stuff, and I'm finding new ways to cook them up. Um, I'm finding new ways to eat healthier in the process and not eat as much exercise. I'm losing weight, I'm feeling better about myself, and I'm saving money all at the same time because one afternoon I decided that I need to try to be happy because I wasn't even trying. So anyone listening to this, are you happy? And what are you going to do about it? I think that's all the time we have. It's been over an hour. Yeah, so um, <laughs> to any of those listeners, if you like hearing two completely different opinions about things, this is the place to be. Mm-hmm. We have an opinion of a person who is living as an adult, he's in the real world, and you have an opinion of someone who's going to be very soon. You have the opinion of someone who knows they don't know what they're doing, and someone who does not yet realize that they have no idea what they're doing. (laughs) Guess which one it is. Anyways, arbitrary conclusions, people. Alright. This has been Arbitrary Conclusions. Signing off. Signing off. Honestly, uh, I think we should watch it.